On Saturday, February 1st, we bring you stories of seduction, enchantment, deception, and obsession. As Confabulation presents, I put a spell on you. Expect stories of the people, places, and things that entrance us and ensorcel us. We're accepting stories online at confabulationmontreal.com or, of course, by email at confabulationnomoreradio.com. This event's happening at Mainline Theatre here in Montreal. It's 3997 Saint Laurent just at the corner of Duluth. And a little bit later in the week, on Friday, February 7th, No More Radio is proud to present the very first Edge of the City live podcast of 2014. It's happening at the Wiggle Room here in Montreal, which is right across from Schwartz's. For everyone who's been to Montreal, you know exactly where it is. You go to Schwartz's and you look across the street and there's the Wiggle Room. Tickets are $10. You can get more information at nomoreradio.com. Welcome to Confabulation, the podcast. I'm Matt Goldberg, host, producer, and person that knows where the keys are for Confabulation, Montreal's premier all-true storytelling series. This week on the show, we have a story from, I'm going to say 300 years ago for, uh, I think it was the first year we had Confabulation Presents Tell the Family, an evening of all-true family stories. And uh, this was a story shared by Adam Halpert, who was my financial planner. Now I think he works at McGill or something. In any case, uh, he's a guy I've known for a long time, someone I have tremendous respect for, especially since he shared this story. Ladies and gentlemen, Adam Halpert. So all of tonight's stories are about family, and my story will be about family, and it is a true story. So before I I get into that, yes, I am an MBA. I've been reduced to alphabet soup. So who better in this room to tell you a story about white-collar crime than the MBA? Um, I have always felt like every single family is absurdly, bizarrely, ridiculously dysfunctional. And yet life is really a game where you do your best to hide it. So you want to appear normal and you think everybody else is normal and you think your family is the only one that's screwed up. But really everyone is screwed up. My family's no different. Um, but it comes in both positives and negatives. So on the positive side, one of my grandmothers actually dated William Shatner, and I brag about that a lot. Uh, <laughs> you know, like I'll be in a bar and I'll meet a girl and I'll use it as an icebreaker. I'll be like, you know, my grandma dated William Shatner. And you would be surprised <laughs> Halloween comes around, like how many chicks actually dress up like Star Trek characters, so it's like, it's really useful there too. So that's like the high point of my family history. And then there's the negatives. So I have one uncle who was a lumberjack who got arrested for having too many unpaid parking tickets. Do you know how many parking tickets you have to have before they put you in jail? It's it's a big number. Um, I have a a younger cousin, 23-year-old cousin, who just this year was knocked up uh, by her boyfriend, Miguel, the trucker, and I'm not, I have nothing against truckers, you know, but this just paints a little bit of a picture of this guy. Uh, this guy has a tattoo of a Playboy bunny on his neck, and next to the Playboy bunny, he has a tattoo of the letters S-E-X printed vertically on his neck. Like... <laughs> There are other stories in my family, too, that I would love to tell. They're exciting, but I can't get into to protect the identities of the people involved. So the story that I am going to tell is about someone that you would never have suspected upon meeting this person that there was anything abnormal about her. This is a story about my other grandmother, the con artist and bank robber. (laughs) 
So when I was a little kid, I thought my grandmother was the coolest lady in the world. And the reason I thought she was the coolest lady in the world was because every time I saw her, without fail, she would give me $100. Like, every time. I'm a five-year-old kid, and she's giving me $100. Like, you can just picture the rudimentary knowledge of math going through my five-year-old mind. I have $100. This was 1989, by the way. I have $100. Jujubes are five cents. I'm going to need my backpack, right? So I thought Grandma was super cool, and she would usually explain these gifts by saying she had a good night at the casino. Now, my grandmother at the time was a nurse, um, and throughout the course of her nursing profession, met all these little infirm old ladies, and somehow she uh, took a second job as like the caretaker for these little old ladies. And uh, so she'd do their grocery shopping for them, she'd take care of their banking, so as a result, she had access to all of their bank accounts. Uh, so anyways, this went on for a few years, and I thought my grandmother was the coolest lady in the world. Uh, and then about three years later, Grandma came to our family and she said, I want to do something really nice for you guys. I want to buy you guys brand new appliances. And we're like, okay, that's kind of a weird offer, but brand new fridge, stove, washer, dryer, like, sure, like, we could use them. So, uh, you know, we accepted Grandma's offer, and she'd also made the same offer to my aunt and, and their family, and they'd accepted. So about a month later, you know, they went shopping, they, you know, bought all these fridges and stoves and whatnot, and they're delivered, and everything is great, and everybody's happy as a clam. And then about two weeks after that, we get a knock on the door, and it's the police, and they're looking for Grandma. Uh, now, I think the, the, best, the best part about this part of the story is that right when the police come and start looking for Grandma, Grandma, poof, she's gone. Like, we don't know where she is. The police can't find her. She's, like, she's on a beach in Mexico somewhere. She's gone. We don't hear from her for years. Uh, so please never find her. Um, and actually, what, what turns out is uh, she had been siphoning off money from these three little old ladies that she was taking care of for years. And one of the sons, you know, came and he checked the bank account records one day, and he realized that a whole bunch of money was missing. And they started putting the, the thoughts together, and they contacted the police, and the police traced it to the other old ladies, and they all realized we're missing a lot of money, and they realized my grandmother was stealing money from them. <laughs> What's really unfortunate about this part, uh, about this story, is that because we had accepted gifts with stolen money, there was a possibility that my family knew what my grandmother was doing, and the families actually filed a civil lawsuit against my family, which was settled out of court for a considerable amount of money. So you can imagine the amount of anger and resentment that my parents had towards my grandma. So anyways, that's it. You know, after a couple months, life starts to get back to normal. Uh, my five-year-old self, which had become an eight-year-old self, was now a ten-year-old self. And I remember what happens next so vividly. And in psychology, we call it a flashbulb memory. Like, I remember, I'm sure we all remember exactly where we were when we found out uh, about 9-11. I remember exactly where I, was, where I was when I found out about Princess Diana. This was one of those for me. So I remember I was coming home from school, my little 10-year-old self, I backpack on, I open the door, I come into the landing, and all I hear when I'm standing on the landing is I hear, fuck you! And then a bang! 
And I'm like, immediately my 10-year-old spidey senses are like tingling, like what is going on? Because it was my mom's voice and my mom never swears. Like she never swears. So I mean, I throw up my backpack, I kick off my shoes, I run up the stairs, I look in the kitchen, she's not in the kitchen. I run down the hall, I look in the bathroom and I find my mother sitting on the toilet. The toilet seat's down. The phone is on the counter next to the toilet and she is sobbing. And what had happened was my grandma had called after two years after this incident uh, and it was like, she tried to pretend like nothing had ever happened. She'd be like, hey, how are the kids? Uh, and when my mom confronted her, she was like, oh, no, that was all a, a misunderstanding. Like, you don't understand. So my mom had told her how she felt, and that was the end of the conversation. Um, so after that, I mean, again, things were a little upset for a couple of weeks. Things go back to normal. Uh, we thought we'd heard the last of Grandma. And then, now we fast forward in time three more years to the next flashbulb memory. Uh, we're all sitting at the breakfast, the, it's like a well, morning before school. I'm sitting at the breakfast table, I'm in my seat, my sister's in her seat, my dad's in his seat. Mom's over by the sink doing something, my mom does. And uh, dad's reading the sports section, sister's reading local news, I'm getting hopped up on Cinnamon Toast Crunch or whatever. And uh, everything is normal. And then all of a sudden, my sister's jaw just drops and her eyes get as big as saucers and she pulls out the paper to my dad and says, look! And you know how like in a newspaper, you guys have all read newspapers, there's all the, uh, like the main stories, they take up a lot of space and they have big headlines. And on the, usually on the inner side of the page, there's like a column and they have things called briefs. And briefs are like shorter stories that are less important. So they'll say something like 11 injured in cow stampede in like Tunisia or something like that. Um, so this particular brief that she was pointing to, the title of it was Small Town Quebec woman indicted on $4 million bank fraud. And underneath that title was my grandma's name. <laughs> Turns out she had returned from wherever she had gone, uh, gone into cahoots with the manager of a bank, and then come up with some sort of plan where they were going to create a fictional character and then take out a $4 million business loan and then disappear again. Uh, obviously, the banking system had security procedures detected abnormal like abnormal transactions and they both got caught and they both got charged um my grandmother ended up going to jail at the tender age of 73 <laughs> for both of the crimes that she or for all of the crimes that she had committed um she served two or three years with a shortened sentence for good behavior and then eventually came out uh, with certain conditions. She wasn't allowed to go to any casinos. She wasn't allowed to work as a nurse or interact with older people that need to be taken care of. Um, and throughout this period, my mother and my aunt retained contact with my grandmother out of some sense of filial duty, twisted sense of filial duty. In 2009, my grandmother had a stroke and she's completely paralyzed from the left side down now. So now she, in the, an ironic twist, she is the one that is now in the long-term care home receiving care instead of doing the caring. I wish this story had a, like a less convoluted or a clearer moral to it. Um, but the truth is, is that addiction is a very dangerous thing. And it was my grandmother's addiction to gambling, this is what we found out afterwards, that actually fueled all of her criminal activities throughout the years. Uh, 
she always needed that next chunk of money to go to the casino with. Now, the problem with my grandmother uh, was that when you love someone and they're addicted to something, you want to help them, but it's not that easy. Because the first thing that someone needs to do to receive help is they have to admit that they have a problem. And even after my grandmother was arrested for bank fraud, we saw a news clip of her, a report, she coming out of the courtroom, and a new, uh, journalist put her microphone to my grandmother's mouth, asked a question, and my grandmother responded, oh, no, no, it was all just a misunderstanding. We'll have this cleared up next week. So for my grandmother, it was always just a misunderstanding. You couldn't help her. So in the absence of some useful you know, lesson about how to help someone with an addiction problem, I will leave you with this. If you ever see someone giving $100 bills to a five-year-old, <laughs> it's a pretty good sign that something sketchy is about to happen. Thank you. Confabulation, the podcast, is produced by Paula Flalo and hosted by Matt Goldberg. For more on Confabulation, you can check out confabulationmontreal.com or check us out on Facebook, the preferred social platform for everyone whose name is not Paula Flalo. Confabulation, the podcast, is distributed by No More Radio, available every week at nomoradio.com. Support for No More Radio comes from Montreal Improv. You can check them out at montrealimprov.com. 